So we are in a new series, I guess. Um, and, and this series, the title of it is Whatever You Do. And uh, obviously that comes from the verse, whatever you do, whether in thought or word or deed or something like that, do it all to the name of uh, Jesus and in his name's sake. And so what we're, we're trying to talk about, what we're trying to explore is this idea um, that we are all out uh, doing our thing all the time. We are all out at our work um, and we're ta- trying to figure out what does it mean? What does it look like to have God out in the real world with us? To, to, to carry God outside of the seats and put, it, uh, put him to work, bring him home, uh, bring him to school. What does that look like? Um, and I don't know if you know this or not. He kind of alluded to it, but I'm a volunteer teacher. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm on the teaching team uh, at Orchard Hill, but I'm not one of the staff. I actually have a different job that I do uh, all, all week long. And so the teaching team was uh, kind of especially keen on having me uh, be in this series uh, about how do you understand uh, being a servant of God uh, and being out in the workforce full time? How, how do you grasp that? How do you wrestle with that? Um, and, and the truth is, uh, I have absolutely no idea. I cannot figure it out. Uh, I do not have the answer for you. But I have a journey. I have a, I have a, a lot of thinking that I've done about this over the, over the years. Uh, it's something that I've struggled a lot with. So hopefully the professional Christians have left the room. And it's you and me, volunteers, we can talk about this. Uh, and we can talk about it in an honest way, having to do and showing kind of our, our whole struggle. Um, and just instead of depressing you right up front, toward the end, I actually do have a new thought. After thinking about this for 25 years, I do have a slightly new thought that's kind of exciting me, um, that's, been, that's been kind of bubbling up over the last year. I, I was thinking about that, and I figured um, I'm getting, uh, I, I'm not close to retirement, but you know, I'm getting older. Maybe I'll have this figured out by the time I retire, and then I'll be like, oh, that's what I could have done all along. Um, so here's my first Step in the journey. My first step in the journey of trying to figure out how do I, how do I do God and, and Kurt Vanderweel? How do I do God and my life? Um, how do I wrestle with those things? The first step of my journey was this. I want to change the world. Period. I want to change the world. There's just something true in the statement that for me, I want to change the world. It, I'm wired up that way or I was taught that way or something. But I, I just have to tell you, I really want to change the world. I don't want to do a small life. I don't want to do uh, uh, a hidden life. I want to make my mark on the universe. I, I just do. And so that gives me a question. Is that okay? Is it okay? Oh, I thought we had another slide right before there. It this doesn't matter. Is it okay... For me to want to change the world. Is that okay? Right? Because in the church, we have a lot of exploration. We have a lot of talk about humility, about humbling ourselves. We have songs that talk about how we should empty ourselves, how we should, uh, how we should let God be more uh, in control of things. Uh, you can sing with Carrie Underwood, Jesus take the wheel, right? Um, he should be the driver. But we have, I mean, it's all through, right? God should be in control. We need more humility. And it's absolutely, absolutely huge amount of truth to that. We have this tendency to want to be everything, control everything, uh, take ourselves and raise it up to the, to the throne and, be, and us be the important thing. And when you have this passion to change the world, it's like you're walking this fine line where, where you just constantly will fall over to that side and say, I want to change the world because I want to do it for me. I want to be super. I want to be, I want to be seen, all that kind of stuff. But is it okay 
Is there a way that it's okay for me to still want to change the world and yet uh, be a, a humble kind of person? Is there any way to work those two things out together? So this is a thing that I've thought a lot about. So first of all, obviously in the Bible, there's all kinds of things about is uh, about humility. In Philippians 2, one of the most famous verses, um, and it has an actual theological name uh, that's a, a Greek word, and I can never remember it. So my word for it is the spiral down. The spiral down is Philippians 2. It's one of the it's one of the more famous verses about who Jesus is. Just listen, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus who being in the very nature of God, did not equ- consider equality with God something to be grasped, something to be held onto. But he made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant. He made himself into a human likeness. And being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself. It just keeps going down and down and down in his humility. He humbled himself and he became obedient even to death, even to death on a cross. It's this, it's this wonderful verse that just spirals us down into the fact that Jesus started in heaven and ends up on a cross. He humbled himself. So sometimes I think about this question. I want to change the world. Is that okay? No, no, no. It's not okay. That is not okay, Kurt. You need to stop that. You need to humble yourself. You need to empty yourself of those passions and desires. Right? You need to uh, become something and die on a cross. But I still want to change the world. I still want to. And this is where over time I've looked through the scriptures and found... You know what? The scriptures tell us we should be humble in the fact of we shouldn't, it shouldn't be about us. But it also tells us that we were made in a special way. We were made in a way that we are supposed to change the world. That is exactly what we're supposed to do. It starts right off in creation. In Genesis uh, 1, 28, it says, God blessed them and he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Fill the earth and subdue it. Every, in fact, if you look at it, everything he created, he told it to keep creating. He creates uh, seed-bearing plants and he says, bear those seeds and fill the earth and create more of yourself. He, he, he uh, creates fish and he says, fish, create more fish. Fill the ocean, do something. The Jews had, uh, were very interesting as they wrote about this. Isn't it amazing? God creates, and on the one hand we think he must have created things perfectly, like finished, like it should be just sitting there. But that's not how God created. God created in a way where he said, okay, I'm going to create, and now you creation, you create. You keep going, you keep creating. So he says to us, when he gets to us, he says, hey guys, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over it. I, I think about what does subdue mean? Everywhere else it's used in the scripture, it's like an army t- is t- telling an army to go subdue some other town, meaning wipe them out, conquer them, uh, 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 actually become their master. Subdue the earth. I think it means to order it, to organize it, to, to uh, name it. Very interesting story right away in Genesis. Uh, it says God brought the animals to Adam to see what he was going to call them. I laugh. I think that's a funny thing. What's he have to base that on, right? Here comes a giraffe. What are you going to call that? Google. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to call it. What does it matter what I call it? I just think it's a funny story. But it's telling us that mankind has this thing. We like to order. We like to categorize. We like to put things in a row. One day I'm walking down the street. On one side of me is a forest 
On the other side of me is a garden, uh, like uh, like a, 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 an orchard. And I'm like, this is this is a really good picture. This is what God gave us, and this is what we love to do to it, right? We order things, we categorize things, we subdue it, and that keeps moving. The basic principles of art. What are the basic principles of being a designer, being an artist? Rhythm, order, balance, hierarchy. What's the basic principles of being a musician? Rhythm, order, balance, hierarchy. It's who we are. It's what we like to do. We are supposed to fill the earth and subdue it. Okay, then we get to Jesus. Jesus obviously is a a great model for us. He is the most uh, uh, perfect balance of humble and also on a mission, right? He, he, He humbles himself to God. Philippians tells us the spiral down. But Jesus was on a mission to change the world. He had, he had focus. There's all kinds of verses where he's healing people. And then those people say, hey, Jesus, that's awesome. You healed us. Be our king. He says, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm about. I am focused on, I am going to Jerusalem to die on a cross. He feeds a gob of people. They say, Jesus, that's awesome. You can feed us. Feed us. Stay here. Be our king. No, 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 no. He backs off. He gets on a boat. He leaves them. Why does he leave them? Because I am focused. I am going to Jerusalem. I have a mission. My mission is to change the world. Uh, I think one of those I have as a verse, maybe. Luke 9.51. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, uh, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Some translations say he turned his face toward Jerusalem. He pointed at Jerusalem. He knew that that's where he was going. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what translation I had up there. Uh, at that time, Luke 13 says, at the time, some of the Pharisees came to Jesus and says, leave this place, go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. And Jesus said to him, you go tell that fox, I will drive out demons. I will heal the people today and tomorrow. And on the third day, I will reach my goal. He's not going to stop no matter what happens. Okay, that's Jesus. We get to Paul. I mean, really, look at Paul. He's a man on a mission, isn't he? Paul is a guy who is driven. He is going to change the world one way or the other. For the first part of his life, he's going to change the world by killing every Christian. And he is set on that. He is passionate about that. He goes to the top Pharisees and he gets special permission to do extra work. And then Jesus gets a hold of him. And he's, now he's a man for Jesus. But what? He's still a man on a mission. He's still a man that's going to go. You know, he, I press on toward the goal. I will not stop until that goal is reached. He tells other people, follow my lead. Be like me. Do the things I do. Watch me. I am your model. I'm changing the world. Okay, so point number one. I struggled for a long time to answer the question, is it okay for me to want to change the world? I think right now, I think my answer is, absolutely it's okay it is something i should do if you're not convinced let me turn the question around for you a second do you want the world to change do you want the world to change do you think the world is good as it is or were you would you like it to be different than it is and if you'd like it to be different than it is in what way would you like it to be different just think about how would i like the world to be different Who do I think it needs to be different for? Think about somebody who you know and the world needs to be different for that person. It's just not right how it is for that person. 
What state would you like it to be in? Well, how would it look if it was looking right again? All right? I'm guessing that all of you guys wish the world would change in some way. Who's going to do that? Who's going to do it? Are we just going to wish that it was going to change forever? Or are we going to be the kind of people that decide, you know what? It's okay for me to change the world. It's okay for me to get passionate about this. All right. So in my second point, I'm like thinking, okay, if I want the world to change, in what way is it okay for the world to change? Or in what way should I understand from the Bible that, that, that God wants the world to change? One of the most one of the most significant things that I've learned in the last 10 years about what Jesus' mission was, and you know I teach it every single time I teach, is that Jesus was here to bring the kingdom of God. Jesus said, turn around, look the other way, go back to the point where the world was the way it was supposed to be, which is within your reach, within your grasp, within your power to make. That's the curt translation of this verse. That's Matthew 4, 17. From that point on, Jesus began to preach, repent, teshuva, turn around, look the other way. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near, is in your hands, is within your grasp. Jesus' message on earth was, (laughs) this has got to change. Turn around. Go back to how it was. It's within your reach. It's within your grasp. Do it. So I ask myself, what does he mean? Let's try to take this as literally as we can. Turn around. Go back to how it was before. It's within our grasp. What is? What was that? So I constantly go back to pre-fall, before we fell. What was it like? A, the relationship between us and God was different then than it is now. The relationship between us and God was peaceful. Now, the scriptures all throughout says, return to peace. You need to have peace with me. Right now, you're not at peace with me. You're, You're at war with me. We need to return to a place where we were at peace with God. Two, we need to return to a place where we were at peace with each other. Our relationships between you and me uh, fell apart. <coughs> it's funny, right? The first thing that happens after, uh, after God finds us in the, in, the, in the garden is he says, uh, hey, what went wrong? And, and Adam says, she did it. <laughs> and then, well, hey, Eve, what went wrong? He did it, right? The relationship between us has fallen apart. And third, the relationship between us and the things, other things that God created isn't the way it's supposed to be. We were supposed to fill the earth and subdue it. We were supposed to garden. We were supposed to uh, uh, make children. And right after the fall, um, uh, God comes and he says, you know what? That whole thing that I was telling you about, fill the earth and subdue it, you're, you're still supposed to do that, but it's going to be way harder now than it was before. You're going to toil with pain and you're going to have thorns and you're going to, and you're going to produce children with pain and, and the whole thing is going to be painful and hard. So third is the relationship between us and the things that God created is messed up and needs to be fixed. I need to fix the relationship between me and God, between me and you, and between me and the other things that God created. Okay, I got it. So far so good, but here's where I just, things get less clear for me. Okay, so... 
We're using this picture, and I thought I wasn't the first person to show you, so I'm, I didn't even show you the, the first, I don't have a slide of the first picture. The first picture that we're using in this series is a picture of a pie, and it has pie-shaped things for all these uh, different things, money, sleep, relationships, and God is one piece of the pie. And the idea is, that's a lot of how we think about uh, how we're supposed to understand our whole lives. Our lives are so separated into pieces of the pie. I'm, at the, I'm in the work piece of the pie. Now I'm in the family piece of the pie. Now I'm in the God piece of the pie. Now I'm in the recreation piece of the pie. And my, li- and my life, sometimes, some people's lives are completely different in each of those slices of pie. And our main core message is, the pie is supposed to look like this. It's not supposed to have God in a separate piece and all these things in separate pieces. It's supposed to be God in the center. And, and that informs everything else. All right, fine. I understand that, but I don't get it. I don't know what to do with that. What do I do with that picture? See, I, I don't know if I'm like some of you, but I don't have a pie problem. I have a donut hole problem. We were calling this the donut, by the way. I have a donut hole problem. I, I want to have something in the center of that, and I want to get passionate about it, and I want to go for it. Right? And so my, uh, my life a lot has been figuring out what's going to be that thing in that center. intellectually, I know this is the right picture. God is in the center. But I don't get it. So either what it means is I'm supposed to become a full-time Christian, right? I'm supposed to become a professional Christian. And, and, and I tried that for, I mean, I didn't actually make the plunge, but I, I, I actually was pursuing that for a while. I'm going to do that. I'm going to become a full-time Christian. I'm going to get God in the center of, of the pie, of the donut. And it just, it just wasn't, what I was supposed to do. It, it didn't seem like that's what I was being called for. It didn't seem like I was getting support from the people around me. It didn't seem uh, like that's, that's how I was gifted and passionate. Uh, it seemed like that wasn't right. But I knew intellectually this is the right picture, so I have to pursue that. Now, what you'll hear is from full-time Christian ministers, they'll tell you all the time, Kurt, you're wrong. That's not the idea. You don't have to become a full-time Christian minister to make this picture look right. Well, A... It's a full-time Christian telling me that. So, <laughs> right? I mean, you did it, uh, but now you're telling me I don't have to do it. It's kind of like the little kid who can't hit at all. can't, And, it, and then we tell them, you know, you're never going to be a great baseball player, but be the greatest baseball player you can be, <laughs> right? I mean, it's kind of a little patronizing to say, from a full-time Christian to say, you don't have to be a full-time Christian. Uh, you can do your job in a godly way. Well, yeah, well, you didn't, right? Okay, so that's A. So, and B is, okay, let's say I accept that truth. What does it mean? What does it look like? Does it mean I'm, I have my Bible on my desk and every conversation I, I, I uh, bring God up and I, and, I, and I push it? You know, we know that's not it either. But God's supposed to be in the center. He's supposed to be in everything. So how do I do that? So here's what I did. Next slide. I said, okay, I'm going to do a little monkey business and i'm going to have god and my job like two eggs in in a two yolks in an egg right they're going to be so both in the center they're going to share the center a little bit and i'll 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 figure out how to balance those two things with each other i so i start doing that for a while and i feel guilty all the time because a godly man is a family man right i should i should not uh ignore my family in order to focus like a laser on my job so I better throw the family in there too. So there they are. Now I got this three yolk egg and I'm, and I'm trying to balance all those things. Well, then I become unhealthy because I'm trying to do all that. But, and, and, uh, I know I need to exercise and I know I need to be healthy. So I throw another one in there. Recreation has to be part of the center of who I am. Well, 
okay, it doesn't work again. It's just a mess, right? I've lost focus, and I'm actually back to, without knowing it, I'm back to this the pie version of that where, where I'm trying to segment things out. All right, so everybody out of the pool. We're back to God. I'm going to try to figure this out again. So this time, and I've made the wrong slide, but the next slide is uh, job. So I try to... I tried to actually put my job in the center and then say to myself, this is really putting God in the center because God made me to do this job. And so I'm going to do this job to the best of my ability. And so in a way, really, I'm putting God in the center. So I do that job and I do it as hard as I can. And then once again, I get to this point of saying, wait a second, that doesn't work because what's happened to my family? So I say, okay, this doesn't work. Switch it. Now I'm going to have just the family in the center and, and, I'll, and I'll say, you know, this is what God really intended for me. But then when I'm at work, sometimes I look at my business partner and I just walk away and I sit at my desk and I stare at the wall. <laughs> and I'm like, how am I supposed to do this? Okay. So are you, are you feeling me? Here's the new thing that's happening. And it's been happening for maybe a year. And I love it. The new thing that's been happening is... It, <sighs> And for a lot of you, you'll be like, wow, Kurt, that was silly. You, you haven't really done anything. But in my mind, what I've done is I've changed just the simple word God to what I'm here for, what's in the center, what I can focus on, what I can think about all the time is bringing the kingdom of God back to earth. That's my mission. My mission, my sole purpose, my, my thing that I can get passionate about is bringing the kingdom of God Back to earth. Okay, this is kind of cool. Because if I think that that's my sole mission, uh, now it's actually kind of easier. Because I, I have this a definition. My sole mission is bringing the kingdom back to earth. The definition of which is, return a right relationship between me and God. So, when I study the Bible, kingdom, center of the donut. When I teach right, like, right now, kingdom, center of the donut. When I help somebody else figure out what they're doing with their relationship to God, kingdom, center of the donut. The other thing I'm supposed to do is restore right relationships between me and other people. When I raise my kids, donut, kingdom. When I, when I struggle with kids that are, don't want to be uh, good kids, <laughs> center, donut, kingdom. When, when, I, when I mentor my staff... Uh, something I had to sort of give myself permission to do is I have staff and I, and I sort of had to give myself permission to, you know what? I can think of them as people that need to be raised, people that need to be mentored. When I mentor my staff, kingdom. When I design better software, the third one is um, uh, things that restore the right relationship with the, uh, with the created order. And to me, in my mind, that means rhythm, order, balance in life. Um, so when I create software that makes you guys not angry when you use it and your jobs get better, kingdom. I'm reordering. I'm creating uh, uh, order out of chaos. When I enjoy music and art, kingdom. When I go golfing with my sons, double kingdom. <laughs> when I eat good food, kingdom. Up until some point and then it's not kingdom anymore. <laughs> this to me... This, to me, has been a significant change in how I understand. Again, it's nothing different than putting God at the middle. But for me, I just couldn't unpack. I couldn't figure out what does it mean to put God in the middle. So my working definition right now is what it means to put God in the middle is 
He's on a mission to bring his kingdom. If I'm on that same mission with him, I have put him in the middle. If I say whatever your whatever restoring your kingdom means, I'm going to do that too. Kingdom. God is in the middle. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you. Teshuva. Turn around. Restore the kingdom of God. Put the kingdom of God back in its place. And that is in your grasp. You are able to do that. It's at hand. It's close by. Now I'm going to pray. Ah, Father. A lot of things in faith are... um, Well, they're not obvious at first. Seems like a lot of things have to do with this tightrope, this walking on the edge. I pray that we continue to be people who figure out what does it mean to be humble, to empty ourselves, to let you be the one who controls things, who, who has the one kingdom that we all support. And yet... Acknowledge that you made us passionate. You made us really want to do things, really want to change things. And you gave us missions and you said, fill the earth and subdue it. And and you said, return my kingdom to what it was supposed to be. And you said, this world needs to be better and you should help me. So I stand here right now humbly saying, Help us all help you. Help us all return the kingdom to what it's supposed to be. And help us do that in our jobs and in our families, in our relationships, in our church, in our volunteerism, in our play, in our enjoyment of art and culture. Help us make the kingdom and change the world. Amen.